This is the Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Essler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck. I'm joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. Dave, just a quick recap from last week, the, the podcast from earlier. 3-0, and back into the black for the year. We're back on a good foot. Let's see if we can't keep it rolling, but how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I, I it's funny that um, I got my butt kicked last night in the NBA. I had the under, and uh, I believe it was your Bucks game. <laughs> so needless to say, that wasn't pretty. But, you know, when you've been doing this as long as I have, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I lost a, a baseball bet on the uh, Tigers o- over uh, over Cleveland, and Cleveland had, I believe, four hits. Uh, and won three to two because one of their hits was after a walk and a single and it left the park. So, you know, those are things that I think casual betters would snap at that I don't say I don't get a little upset, but, you know, I, I, I get over things quickly. Well, Dave, if you're telling me you're betting on my Bucks game, at least tell me you were on the Bucks. No, I was on the under, I believe. Oh, Dave, you missed the opportunity. Bucks minus six was the steal. Uh, well, you know, hindsight is never wrong, my friend. <laughs> you know, I guess I got Larry of all the, the the Giannis news and what, and you know, I it's funny that I bet that at two nineteen and a half, and it closed two sixteen, so I felt pretty good about that. But you know, feeling pretty good about it and cashing a ticket are two different things. And nobody loves to talk about closing line value more than people that just lost the bet. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's important. I mean, you know, I think we talked about it on a show earlier to where, you know, you have to win 52.38% at minus 110 to just break even. And that sounds really easy, but it's not. And, you know, a couple of games, you get that extra half point point that you win that you might otherwise not, or maybe you pushed and you didn't lose. You know, those will make the difference over the course of, you know, I'll say a year, but, you know, even six months. So before we really get into some of these baseball games, I do have a question for you because you're talking about maybe, you know, you have great closing line value or you had a bad beat here. Do you think baseball, almost like the sport itself, is one where you're going to have a lot of bad breaks because there's so many games, but normally it gets made up throughout the 162-game season because it is nearly six months long? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. I You know, I tell all my guys, Last night, that you know, yeah, we'll get our fair share of those too. Uh, and of course, you know, with the with the rule change a few years ago for extra innings, and the guy starting on second, you know, they basically have invented new ways to lose uh, or new ways to win if you happen to be on the right side. But you know, the bottom of the tenth, and you're still tied, and you're the home team. You got a guy on second, and you, they don't bunt him over because the the sabermetrics tell them that's not the good thing to do. But you know, I don't care if it's Babe Ruth, you bunch him over. Then people will say, well, then they'll just walk him and set up the double. So what? <laughs> Still got a guy on third with less than two outs. So, yeah, it's uh, you got to keep an even keel. I don't think they have enough medication for that. Well, I feel like uh, with some of the bad beats I've had in, like, the final innings or at bats of games or F5 bets, uh, water's going to find its level. We're going to get pretty hot here. So, uh Let's just, let's get into some of the games that we were looking at. Now, the first one that we were actually going to talk about, it's going to be the Cincinnati Reds taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, again, these are Friday night Major League Baseball slate of games. 
So we are looking at the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates, 535 Central Time first pitch. Again, this will be April 21st. What are you thinking about for this game? Yeah, I mean, when I first saw Ashcroft listed, I was ready to just blindly do it. I mean, he's been a nice surprise for the Reds. Um, you know, he, he'd been almost an auto bet, but, you know, his one loss was on the road at Atlanta, and he's already pitched against the Pirates. So, you know, it might be time to go the other way. Or, if nothing else, he'd be a first five bet because the Reds' pen is really not good, and that's being polite. Um, and and they're actually worse on the road, which is a little odd because, you know, we know Cincinnati's such a small park. And on the other hand, the Buccos' pen has been one of the worst in the league. So, you know, uh, maybe maybe full game for the Reds would be dual. I don't know. But I've always liked Keller better than some people. Um, and he's been hit here. And, and, you know, but mostly against good offensive teams. You know, uh, are the Reds a good offensive team? I don't know. Uh, but the Reds beat him up badly already. So I have that classic sort of I'm going to go the other way thing. Uh, but clearly not with the bullpen and more due diligence. You know, a, a, a team, uh, the, the Pirates have only allowed more than three runs, I think, once in seven games, and they are all road games. So, you know, uh, these teams play Thursday, and if we get this up early enough, I would I would take the Reds because the Pirates are in that first game back from a road trip thing. Um, and I see actually drafting had the Pirates favored, which from a one-loss perspective, I guess they probably should be. Um, and even that total at nine is higher than I thought it would be because I do lead over. But I think in the end, the Reds are two and ten against right-handed pitching, one and five on the road. So I will bet the opposite and, and go against my gut at Ashcroft. And I'll, I'll go with Willie Stargell and the Pirates. I mean, you know, and, and maybe an under strikeout prop on Ashcroft. Remember, uh, they've seen him quite a bit. Uh, Pittsburgh has already. They, and, and, you know, Pittsburgh does put the ball in play more than all, but about five teams. So that's another one derivative I'm looking at. Yeah, Dave, I think we're on the same wavelength here for this one. I originally thought, oh, Graham Ashcraft has thrown the ball pretty well. Pirates, you know, maybe starting to get a little bit of overvalued because they've been winning so much. But then I dug into it a little bit, and you're right. Reds are awful on the road. And to your point, you thought you were a little higher on Mitch Keller than others. Yeah, I thought he was a bum, but he's been pitching better as of late. And like you said, it was these zig when everyone else zags Mm -hmm. mitch keller got hit pretty hard the last time they saw him earlier this season he's going to make adjustments Mm -hmm. and on the same wavelength as you again i didn't want to bet the full game here because both bullpens are crappy who knows which bullpen will uh crap out in that game so i just decided if i had to make a bet i probably would have went with the pittsburgh pirates in the first five innings Especially, yeah, I mean, I, like, I think I think you have to, whichever way you want to go, I think you have to throw those bullpens out. And I I feel like when you look at the two, with the Pirates being as hot as they are, and the Reds being as bad as they are at home, and, and you really, you're a slight favorite at home with as hot as they are, I feel like I'll play the first five. Yeah, I mean, I agree there. I mean, they're, they're I was begging people to take the Reds and Ashcroft, and I don't, I don't think that's an option for me anyway. Well, it looks like our first uh, Major League Baseball game for April 21st. Uh, looks like we're in agreement here. Pirates in the first five innings. Dave, looking at the second game that we picked out, we're going to go to the Houston Astros taking on the Atlanta Braves. Now, this is a 6:20 first pitch central time in Atlanta. 
You have uh, Bryce Elder on the mound for the Atlanta Braves and for the Houston Astros. You have Hunter Brown. Now, these are two really young pitchers, but two higher prospects. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the cool thing about doing this one is both teams have today being Thursday off. So, you know, whatever we would talk about shouldn't be affected in the interim. But, you know, I mean, the Astros have grossly underperformed this season. I mean, they're not even at 500. But. Uh, books have been pricing them and people have been betting them as if they were the same team they fielded last year. And I mean, clearly they're not. And as far as Hunter Brown goes, I love the fact that he's kept the ball in the park and through seven innings in each of his last two starts. So uh, if nothing else, uh, the pen, which has been decent, but not elite, um, won't probably be needed early. And that's a good check in their favor. And whatever happens, I don't think it really tees off on the kid, but they could. I mean, Elders also kept the ball in the park and the, you know, the first team to score on him was the Royals of all teams. And he threw two shutouts his first two starts. And I really wanted to take this under badly. I mean, you don't have any familiarity. You got two better than average pens. You got two more than capable starters. You know, I know the umpire tonight and the weather is a bit more conducive to the ball carrying, sadly. Um, but, you know, that's a that's kind of a pitcher's park. And if I waited for everything to point in one direction, I wouldn't be betting too often. So I'm going to bet that under. Dave, uh, we definitely are on the same wavelength here because I looked at this and I thought the exact same thing as you did. Uh, Brown is a guy that has not been seen by the Braves. Elder is a guy that has not been seen by the Astros. The Astros offense hasn't been great this year. The bullpen has been average, but the Atlanta bullpen has been elite. And you mentioned it, getting the day off, both of the bullpens get to refresh and and you know take that additional day rest and then you just go one further and you look at the the weather and it's supposed to be blowing in yeah i'll take the i heck i'd take the game under or i would take the first five under i I don't think you could go wrong with either yeah i mean i agree with you and i think my 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 directive for the next 30 minutes or whatever is to find something to argue with you about (laughs) well maybe it's maybe it'll be our next game because we're agreement so far first game Pittsburgh Pirates in the first five against Cincinnati. Second game, either the full game or first five innings under in the Houston-Atlanta game. Third game here, Dave, since we're knocking these out and just agreeing all the time. It's going to be the Boston Red Sox taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. 7-10, first pitch, central time. Nick Pavetta on the mound for the Red Sox. Freddie Peralta on the mound for the Brewers. Dave, what are you thinking? Because I have a solid opinion on this game. Well, I'll give you my solid brief opinion. Um, you know, the Brewers have a situational advantage with them having Thursday off and the Red Sox play at home against the Twins. Uh, and then they got aboard a plane. I, I know that Red Sox game is this afternoon, but still, um, you know, is the situation screams uh, Brewers. And, you know, obviously, you know, Peralta was lit up in San Diego uh, and his two home starts were six innings of almost perfection. But, you know, his entire career – He's been so much better in home games, which makes it really hard to fade Milwaukee here, especially since I don't think Peralta's ever thrown a pitch to the Red Sox. And, you know, the Brewers had limited exposure to Pavetta when he was with the Phillies. And I think in in uh, uh, 44 uh, at-bats, I think he gave up nine extra base hits, and four of them are still traveling. So, you know, bear in mind the Boston bullpen is one of, if not the best in the league. Uh, so that makes it very easy to take the Brewers for the first five innings, my friend. 
we we are really thinking alike today, except for I'm gonna be slightly different from you. So I same thing. Freddie Peralta's historically been really, really good at home. The Brewers get the day off. The Brewers bullpen arguably has been better than Boston's, though Boston's has been good. And then it's kind of the Nick Pavetta effect for me. He can be really good, but he be really bad. And I know I'm going to get a solid Peralta that hasn't seen Boston yet. I actually went out a little bit more on a limb, and instead of taking the Brewers in the first five innings, I took the uh, Milwaukee Brewers in the first five innings on the run line, uh, minus that half a run. Yeah, I mean, I can totally see that. You know, and and you're so right about Pavetta being one of those guys because he's in that, uh, I don't know what category, I'll come up with one in the next week or so, of pitchers that, you know, their 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 variance is pretty big. You know, you're right. Pavetta can throw a, a two-hit, six-inning shutout, but he can throw a two-inning, six-run game. So, you know, which one are you going to get? It's very difficult, uh, but I can't take him in this situation. See, this is kind of, he's kind of the same type of pitcher who we talked about in the last podcast, uh, from the one we released Monday afternoon, because we were talking about Jose Barrios and how inconsistent he was. And that's how we couldn't roll with him. Well, looking back on our last pod, we nailed it because he didn't pitch that well and we cashed the bet. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to go with it. You know, we can, we can overthink these things. I mean, obviously, you know, we're giving out really good content here. Some of it's fairly deep, not all of it, but you know, at some point you have to just go, okay, um, I'm going to, I'm going to bet this because, you know, you know, as well as I do, you know, numbers lie, uh, fig- uh, liars figure and, and figures lie that, you know, we can probably build a case for both teams if we really wanted to. And that's what is the danger of overthinking these things. I love that you said that, Dave, because our next matchup, the San Diego Padres taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks, 840 Central Time first pitch on the hill for the Padres. Seth Lugo, his counterpart for the Diamondbacks, is going to be Zach Gallen. I think I could make an argument for both sides here, so I'm kind of interested to hear what you had to say about this one. Yeah, I mean, what do we know about Seth Lugo? I mean, we know he's not pitching as well in San Diego as he did with the Mets. You know, and he kind of reminds me of a right-handed Stephen Matz that, you know, if he doesn't walk people, he might be okay. Um, and honestly, the limited stats he has against the Padres is kind of more white noise, noise than it would be what I would call actionable. So I would default to his splits, uh, and his fate would have it. Arizona is in, is, is in a much better hitting stance against righties. I mean, I think they're eight and three against righties and three and five against lefties. Um, I know one loss doesn't mean everything, but it's a decent place to start. So, you know, so far I can see Arizona, uh, maybe, especially with Zach Gallon. So so what do I do? I mean, you know, obviously look at what he's done recently or this season. He's had two spectacular outings uh, and then two where he got lit up. And here we go again. We lit him up. The two teams that hit him hard, Dodgers, Padres, both division opponents. Um, so, you know, I've harped on that, but you see it week after week. So from what I've said, Gallon should have the upper hand this time. I think he makes the adjustment. But here's the thing. I can't take the Arizona bullpen, um, no way, no how. So a snake's bet uh, is a first five without question. Uh, and that's the only bet I can really make here is the uh, the D-backs first five. So I went back and forth on this one, but 
once again, we landed on the exact same bet because I, I looked at it and I go, oh, Lugo's throwing the ball decently well. You know, he, like you mentioned, used to play in, in New York. So he hasn't been seen maybe as much as Zach Gallen, who has pitched interdivision against San Diego his entire career. Okay. But then I look at Zach Gallen and know that he's got some of the best stuff in the league just in general with, with just just speaking on stuff. But then historically, every single year in the big leagues, he's been hit hard by the Padres. Now he's coming off of an appearance being hit hard by the Padres. I know you like the zig and zag, but it feels like there's no zag because the Padres have hit him hard. But then I, I looked at it, took all of this into account, and I still couldn't believe Gallon was still the slight dog here on a lot of these odds. And I, I would have probably lined it the other way. Therefore, I, I still perceive some value being on Zach Gallon, probably 10, 15 cents. So I ended up with the same bet as you just because the Diamondbacks were lined as, as dogs here. Yeah, and I mean, I think if they had that really solid bullpen, which they have anything but, that you might see them, uh, you see that number flip a little bit. I mean, that's a reflection, remember, of the full game. Uh, and full game, yeah, I can see it because the Diamondbacks bullpen really does suck. So, so we both landed on Diamondbacks in the first five innings because we don't want to deal with the bullpen and think that uh, Gallon might be a little undervalued here. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, the, the turnaround thing, the zigzag thing, I mean, I think that gets more prevalent for me when it's a recent rematch, and obviously this is. You know, if they see him in April, don't see him till August. Yeah, I might not put quite as much credibility to it, but, you know, a few weeks later, absolutely, I think that's huge. So you use that concept, obviously, you termed it kind of the zigzag where – you know, Zach Gallen got hit hard by the Padres a week ago, so now they're playing. He's going to make the adjustment. But what are your thoughts? Because this is interdivision, and if you go back and look on Zach Gallen's career, he's been hit decently hard every year by the Padres. Does that lead you to a little bit of a concern? That yeah, he- of course it does. Um, and, you know, it kind of goes back to, um, you know, we can't have everything um, in all these games or we'd never bet. I mean, I just look at it as, you know, if I can get Gallon at home uh, at that price for five innings, it probably has more value to me than taking the Padres, you know, as slight road favorites. But you're right. I mean, there's, I mean, and that's the thing with baseball is there's, there's so many variables. You know, it's not one guy against one guy like almost like the NBA is anymore. I mean, there's, there's just so many things that can happen, and. Uh, umpires are all different and yada 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 so at some point you have to just stop and either say i can't figure it out i'm not betting it or this is what i'm doing so you talk about all the variables in betting on major league baseball Uh, would you recommend then to some of the listeners that try and get these games into the smallest segmented bets possible, like a first five, just because you have a a smaller uh, percentage of variables that you're dealing with in the first five. Normally it's, you know, the the starting pitchers and then the lineups, because you don't see a ton of changes in the first five innings, if that makes sense, what I was trying to say. I mean, yeah, it does. And it sort of brings me to another point to where, um, you know, I guess for the for the guy just starting out, absolutely, you know, less is more, you know, until you can sort of expand your repertoire and 
have a rough idea of, you know, some of the metrics and, and the really deep stats that we haven't got into yet. Um, yeah, less is more. And the other thing is that derivatives are really where you can exploit the books. I mean, you know, whether you're taking, you know, prop bets like a, a pitcher's strikeout total or whatnot, you know, those are so many options out there uh, for these things to bet on that you can find some holes there by, you know, now you're really isolating it. Okay. It's, you know, in this case, it's Zach Allen against the Diamondbacks. I don't know what the stats sh show, but, you know, sometimes you'll see things like I think I did earlier, like, you know, Ashcroft, I know, you know, he's going to be, you know, his strikeout number is going to be high, probably six and a half or so, but, you know, the Pirates just saw him. Um, they're a scrappy team that doesn't strike out a lot. So, you know, everybody knows Ashcroft, so they'd probably be betting the over. I would probably be betting the under. So, yeah, anytime you can extrapolate things down to a derivative, it's, it's a positive. Uh, if nothing else, for a learning experience. So, Dave, looking at the final game that we have here for the Major League Baseball slate for Friday, April 21st, going to look at the St. Louis Cardinals traveling to Seattle to take on the Seattle Mariners. Steven Matz on the mound for the Cardinals. George Kirby on the mound for the Mariners. This was the one that I had to look at it many times and really sit and think before I actually came up with uh, what I would do for this game. Yeah, this was a tough game, no doubt. I mean, you know, Matz hasn't won a game yet. Looking at his numbers, he might not. Um, so that would say, well, we'll just bet the Mariners. Uh, and the one picture they have that most people have heard of in Kirby is out there. Um, and sometimes it is that easy. But the question for me, uh, which one of those teams is going to stand up? Because, you know, they have similar records and they're under 500, which is obviously below expectations. You know, people mention the Mariners and the Cardinals as, you know, teams to be playing in October potentially, and neither one of them are. So, you know, that makes it harder to figure out these games. And, you know, the Mariners, they have struggled against left-handed pitching this year. Matt is capable if he doesn't walk the park, uh, but he may be okay here because Seattle, uh, they don't draw a lot of walks and it's a pretty good sized park. Um, Kirby had one bad game in the first series, uh, but that was against who? The Angels, a division team. So not surprising. I mean, this one did end up being a more difficult game than I thought, um, which would always make me, okay, what, how am I going to figure this out? Let me look at the total. Maybe that will, will tip it off a little bit. You know, he's, if it's, I mean, I, I could go into it. I don't know if we have time, but another time maybe. Um, and the total is seven and a half. That seems a little low, but, you know, I think once the market settles, I'd be surprised if that didn't go to eight. Um, and it looks to me um, like Seattle has beaten most of the teams they should and not won against the good teams. So I said, well, okay, which one is St. Louis? Well, um, I, that goes back to the do theory. Until they do, I can't bet on them. So I'm going to go Mariners because – the straw that broke the camel's back for me is the Cardinals are, are five and 10 against right-handed pitchers. So it really just broke down to that. But I'm with you in the fact that, you know, that would probably be my, I hate to say least confident, but because I'm always confident when I put out content, but that would be the one that I would have to maybe use your money to bet. Well, I'm glad we saved the Cardinals and the Mariners for last because we're getting a disagreement here. I'm, I'm going to take the Cardinals on the money line and the way that I actually got to this one, because I looked at Matt's and, you know, the, the record's not great. The ERA is even worse, arguably. And, and George Kirby has looked much better outside of that one particular start. 
but I start, you know, kind of digging into it a little bit. Neither guy has been seen that much. It has, it's not like Steven Matz has been around in the AL West a ton. George Kirby being a younger guy, obviously the Cardinals haven't seen him much. So, you know, you get into the offensive side of things. The Mariners have not been very good against lefties. The Cardinals have actually been in the top eight, both OPS and average-wise, against right-handed pitchers. And then I get to the bullpen. The bullpens are almost the exact same. So now I'm I'm looking at it as, okay, well, Kirby's probably a little bit better, but the Cardinals' hitting is a lot better. They've kind of started to win some games all of a sudden. And the one thing that kind of did it for me, I looked at the weather and saw that it was blowing out about 11 miles an hour. And if there's one team that can hit and the other team's not hitting as much, the weather can only help the one team that's hitting. And the Cardinals hit right-handers much better than Seattle hits lefties. And with Seattle being, or sorry, with Seattle being the slight favorite here, I don't think I want to lay them as a favorite where it's blowing out and it feels like the only team that can really hit consistently is the Cardinals. And I believe more in the, you know, Nolan Arenado's, Paul Goldschmidt's than the up-and-coming talent that Seattle has. They're not as proven yet. So I'll take the Cardinals, I guess, at uh, slight dog odds. Yeah, I can't do it. I mean, you know, another thing you might want to wait on, and I don't want to sound like I'm correcting you here, but that roof could be closed tomorrow. I mean, Seattle's a pretty hardy place, and they don't close it when it gets chilly. But it's only supposed to be in the, I think, upper 40s, low 50s. So, you know, your your wind may not be a factor. Um, that would probably lead me to the fact that maybe it really is an under game uh, because the ball won't travel as well, obviously, with, with the air conditioning on or the whatever they want to call it, the heat on, I guess, at that point. So... Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. I could have gone either way with with this one as well. I just chose not to. So we could disagree on something. All right, Dave. Well, that kind of concludes the Major League Baseball portion for us. Again, we're recording this on April 20th, which is a Thursday. These games are good for April 21st, a Friday slate of MLB games. Dave, what are you going with for your official picks for this podcast? Official picks? Do we have to be graded like that? I know I got mine. I'm, I'm going to roll with my Milwaukee Brewers in the first five innings on the run line, minus half a run. That's my favorite bet for the games we talked about. Well, I should probably take the Red Sox just because I can. I guess if I have to pick one here, my friend, um, that would probably be it. But let me. I'm gonna pick another one. I'm going to. I'm going to go with the uh, Braves and the Astros under. Total game or first five? Um, whole game. They both have respectable bullpens. All right, there you go. Our two picks, official picks for the podcast. Going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers in the first five innings on the run line, minus half a run. And Dave is going to take the Houston Astros, Atlanta Braves under for the game total. Now, Dave, that concludes the Major League Baseball portion, but we still have the NBA playoffs, and that's in full swing. Uh, most most series now have played two games. We we got to see what happened game one. We got to see you know the the teams come back and make adjustments and and play it out game two. 
A lot of game threes coming up this week and obviously game fours. I was interested to hear your take. So if you have a favorite, because a lot of the favorites lost round one, gets beat, then they make the adjustments and come back and win game two. How do you kind of look at that going into like a game three? Um, You know, I think that it's still advantage home team because, you know, their mission was to go in and take uh, one of two and get a home court advantage. So, you know, I'm sorry about the guy that just decided to mow my lawn right now, but I don't have any control of that. I guess that just knows I'm human. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that favors the the, the team that, that, you know, the home team in, the, in that round. Because as I said, you know, you always go in, you know, okay, let's just steal one. And they did that, you know, until they get humiliated in game two. Um, I don't think it really matters. And I, I, so I would be looking at home teams when this thing's before. I mean, you got you got to decide who has heart and who doesn't. But um, it would be, it would be. I think betting the favorite to continue is betting what uh, the books want you to do. And and it's kind of like we talk about very often. It's called recency bias. You know, yes, Boston kicked the crap out of Atlanta two times. Uh, and they're only favored by five at Atlanta Friday night. You know, I, I would be hard pressed. I mean, if Atlanta has anything in the tank, they might keep it close. I mean, it's just it's just that simple sometimes. So yeah, uh, good question. Uh, I like I like home teams. So you're almost like the higher seed loses, they make the adjustments. So it's that's your zigzag, and it's almost like you're zigging again. Like you're gonna you're gonna stay with the team that won game one or that played really well game one, even though they're the lower seed because they're going home and the higher seeded team just kind of whooped up on them. But now that team gets to make their adjustments and they get their home court advantage. Well, yeah, I mean, just look at the Boston Atlanta game. I mean, the Celtics are favored by five. Well, if this weren't the playoffs and they just didn't beat the crap out of Atlanta twice. Do you think they would be favored by five in Atlanta during their regular season? Probably not. Um, you know, everybody had Cleveland uh, pegged to beat the, the Knicks, and I think I told people I would take the Knicks at that price, and and obviously that's already paid off because I have both teams at plus money. Um, but now they're minus two at home. Well, this would be one of those ones I would have to really double and triple check. Um, okay, the question then becomes – is Cleveland really the minus 200 favorite we thought they were? Um, or are they really thinking the Knicks are going to win this game? I mean, I would still probably defer to the home team uh, because Cleveland hasn't done anything on the road. And, you know, again, I go back to what if, 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 if the Cavaliers played the Knicks in the regular season at New York with both teams at full strength, I think the Knicks are probably be favored by more than two. So I think the market is still shaded Cleveland. So, yeah, I'm zagging when everybody else is zigging. I would probably take the Knicks. So what are your thoughts on, say there is a a team, they don't necessarily have to be a heavy favorite, but they just come out here and obliterate their opponent two times in a row. Are you willing to sit here and, and back them again for a third time? Because just with your naked eye, just watching the games, it feels like the other team has quit and they've no. been broken. No, I, I mean, I get your point, and I think that would be the easy bet to make. But, you know, I, I, I would either no bet or or take the points because you know they're inflated. And, you know, if you're talking about value and 
you know, what they call positive expected value, which we'll get into at some point, it's plus EV. I mean, it's not the Celtics. It would be Atlanta. I mean, you can't, um, you know, it's the third game. If this was the fourth game, maybe different story. Maybe Atlanta doesn't want to go back to Boston, you know, or, or any other series that's got similar um, peripherals, if you will. Um, then you then no, but in game three, you know, the Hawks um, or whoever is down 0-2, they still have hope. You know, they can win two and, you know, maybe maybe go steal another one. I mean, Boston played perfect basketball. The Hawks sucked. If there's one game in them, it's going to be this game. Having said that, I'm not sure I would I would uh, bet on that game. But if, if I had to, I would definitely take the Hawks. So just for like an NBA, you know, basketball playoff concept moving forward, it just taking into account the, the Celtics-Hawks game, just for an example, you would be looking to back the Hawks just because this is kind of their final breath. It's 0-2. Everyone's seen the Celtics look really, really, really good. And then hopefully you get a cover. Say you get a cover but no win. Are you potentially looking to back the Celtics here just in game four because it's like, hey, Hawks did their best game three. They didn't get the win, but they covered, but they emptied the tank. Celtics are about to wipe them out. Probably so. Absolutely. Um, Probably so. I mean – Obviously, it depends on how, you know, game 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 three really goes down. You know, there's a lot of ways to get to 101 to 99. You know, it could be, um, you know, one team had a huge lead and the other team came back or, you know, there's – but all things being equal, yes, you're 100% correct. And now, speaking of the NBA, are there any uh, bets that you were interested in here moving into the NBA weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to take the Knicks over Cleveland for sure. Uh, and I'm not overly sure about Sunday's games, and we don't have um, legitimate lines yet. So I get it it's home teams or nothing. Home team. So there it is for Dave. Home teams or nothing. He's looking at the Knicks here coming up. That would be a Friday, 7.30 Central Time tip. So, yeah, good. Good advice. I'm glad we kind of went through that because it's uh, always nice uh, learning more strategy on how to go about betting it. Yeah, I, I love sharing it too. And course, once you think you got to figure it out, they they change the rules. But you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get somebody headed in the right direction and make a little money. Real quickly, Dave, do you think that you could t- uh, like teach an entire college course when it came to like? Um, gambling mindset or uh strategy betting when it comes to just the, all the different uh theories and strategies out there yes absolutely and i would thoroughly enjoy that <laughs> well maybe i'll have to look into talking to somebody you know because i know all the higher ups at every university well you know when, you, when wisconsin legalizes it i'll come up to madison sounds good but that will do it for us on this episode of winner's take just a reminder our picks for the podcast, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers in the first five innings on the run line, minus half a run. Dave is going to take the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves under the eight runs. We will be back next Monday. Until then, let's continue to make some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com. In the Zone app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen, rate, subscribe. Yeah. <laughs>